the message on fasting and prayer, fasting for revival, from Joel chapter 2 and verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. I talked quite a bit last week about fasting, and I'll just pick up where I left off. Jesus fasted. He was our example. Moses fasted, and Elijah fasted. Those three men fasted for 40 days, and Moses at least on two occasions, possibly on three. But then Christ taught his disciples to fast, and in fact, he expected his followers to fast, for he said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, when you fast. And then he tells them what to do and what not to do. Not if you fast, but when you fast. It was taken for granted after his teaching that his disciples would fast because he had taught them thus. So he said, when you fast, and then he told them how. He prophesied that his disciples would. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 15 he said, then shall they fast talking about when the bridegroom was taken from them after he went back to heaven. Then shall they fast. My friends, Christ is in heaven, and he expects his disciples here on earth to fast. As I said, Jesus fasted 40 days and nights to begin his public ministry. He was led by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 12 says, The Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. He was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days and nights. And he was tempted of the devil. And the wild beast was there. The devil does not like it when you begin to fast and pray. He did not like it when Jesus fasted and prayed. And he came to Jesus and he tempted him to turn the stones into bread, to leap off the pinnacle and come floating down through the clouds. He tempted Jesus to bow down and worship him so that he could give him the kingdoms without having to go to the cross. Anything, turn the stones into bread, float down through the skies, bow down and worship me, and you'll have a kingdom without the cross. The devil is afraid of the cross. He is afraid of the blood of Jesus. He does not like the crucifixion of Christ, even though he provoked the Roman soldiers to those angry things that they did and hateful things they did. Nevertheless, it's the undoing of the kingdom of Satan, and he knew that. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 29, Jesus spoke to his disciples about fasting. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What had taken place was Jesus, Peter, James, and John had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration where Christ was transfigured before them and his, his countenance turned into a white glistening light. And the voice of the Father spoke out of the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then they came down off of that mountain and Jesus found his disciples confronted by a man who had a son, a child, that was demon-possessed. And he said to Jesus, I brought my child to your disciples that they would cast this wicked spirit out of my boy. And they could not. They were embarrassed. They were intimidated. They were ashamed. And Jesus said, O ye of, of, of little faith. And then he proceeded to cast that wicked spirit out of the boy. And he did that. And the demons came out of the child. And the disciples asked Jesus a question. Why could not we cast him out? 
And he said, because of your unbelief, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. There are certain things about the kingdom of darkness and the strongholds that Satan has established that will never be dealt with, that will never be challenged, that will never be pulled down, that will never be broken without the powerful fasting and praying of the church. And so, Christians, I'm admonishing you today in the name of the Lord, let's get involved in this ministry of fasting and praying because demons will be bound and satanic strongholds will be broken. The spirit tore the child and cast the child down and uh, did all kind of bad things to the child. It's the satanic things that we want to break up that has a hold on this generation. And I believe when we move the spirit world, people will be set free. Jesus said, thou dumb and deaf spirit, come out of the boy. And he did come out, praise God. Well, what is the definition of fasting? Well, basically, it's doing without food. And it also embraces other things. It involves abstaining from the pleasures of the flesh like television programs, reading your favorite uh, magazine or novel. It even involves fellowship with other people. There is a time for fasting and prayer where you need to get alone with God. Jesus went out into the mountain and fasted 40 days and nights, as did Moses up in Mount Horeb, as did Elijah in Mount Horeb. And they left the crowd and they got alone with God. There's a time to get alone in fasting and praying. I read a text, however, that invites the entire nation of Judah Call a solemn assembly, proclaim a fast, blow the trumpet in Zion. There is a time for the entire church to be called to fasting and praying. I believe that God spoke to me in the last few weeks of 1992. And I believe that God instructed me to set up this period of 40 days for a chain of fasting and praying. And I believe that this city is in great need. This nation is in great need. My friends, the future is quite uncertain. What is happening in the Middle East? What is taking place on the streets of our great cities? What is taking place even inside of the churches? There is spiritual wickedness in high places that needs to be brought down. And it will be brought down through fasting and prayer. So Jesus teaches us that it's, there's time to do without food, to do without certain pleasures, even to break your fellowship with other people for a short period of time. Our experience during the holidays for my wife and I was quite humorous, in fact. We decided to begin our fast for a number of days on the last day of 1992. You know that on New Year's Day, it's a favorite time for people who enjoy their favorite college winning uh, football games. Well, I knew that Alabama was going to beat up on Miami, and it would be very difficult for me to do without television on New Year's Day, but I did it. And I did without the black-eyed peas and hog jaw. I did it without the family reunion. I did it without us ha inviting our children and grandchildren over for a New Year's Day meal. And we fasted and prayed on that day. And through the holidays, we turned the television set off. And we communicated with God and read this book and sought the face of God and continued that into the new year until we felt like that it was time for us to, to change. And... And we've joined in this 40 days. Every week we have our time, just like everybody else does. And I believe it's an important thing, friends. God's going to do something in Jacksonville. The greater metropolitan area of Jacksonville and Duval County, northeast Florida, southeast Georgia, is going to be shaken by a mighty revival. So it involves doing without things that you like to do. Well, fasting will do certain things for you. It will change the way you pray. 
It will help you to find God's will. It will help you in expressing your grief. Fasting is good for you when you're in grief. It will help you to obtain protection and deliverance from danger. It will help you when you want to repent and you need to repent. It's part of repentance. It will bring humility. The Bible says, humble yourself and your soul with fasting. It will bless the church. It will provide extra strength for God's work. It provides a beautiful means of worship for the Almighty God. When you come before Him and humble yourself with fasting and prayer. Why are we fasting? My text in Joel chapter 2 and verse 15 says, sound, well here's an additional verse, sound the trumpet in Zion, call a fast and gather all the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring everyone, the elders, the children, and even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her privacy. Reading from another translation. It's indeed time for the body of Christ to seek the mind of God and to seek the face of God and to turn away from the things that would distract us from our spiritual quest for power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is a time of mourning. It's a very solemn time when we think about the perversion, when we think about the clamoring for gay rights, when we think about the compromise, even in the church world, even ordaining homosexuals to the ministry, when we think about the depravity of sin and debauchery and shame, and we think about adultery and fornication, where people are living together without the convenience of marriage, where people have the live-ins and people are sinning in the sight of God. Fornication is still fornication. Adultery is still adultery, no matter what you term it in these modern times. It's time for us to go into a state of mourning over the sins of our nation that has brought blight and despair. When we have barred the Bible and prayer from the public schoolroom, it might be said that there will always be prayer in our public schools as long as we have final exams. There will be prayer, regardless of what the Supreme Court says. But my friends, it's a shame and a disgrace that in America today, we cannot read the Bible in the classroom. When in Russia, the former communist nation, and throughout all of those communist republics, they're begging for Bibles, and thousands of people are taking Bibles and conducting meetings in those Baltic states and in the former communist regimes. Now then, God is sending a great spiritual revival. They tried to do without God. They tried to do without prayer. They tried to do without the Bible. Now then, they realize their mistake. And friends, this country is going to learn the hard way that it's bad to ban the Bible. It's bad to ban prayer from our public life. Yes, it's time for the Christians to fast and pray, to call a solemn assembly, to proclaim a fast, to blow the trumpet in Zion. It's a sad thing when 30 million abortions have been performed in the past 20 years since Roe versus Wade was approved by the Supreme Court. My friends, 30 million babies have been slaughtered. I am telling you, it is a sad day for America. I realize for those who have been through an abortion that it's a very a hurtful thing. And you're trying to get past that now. You're trying to get forgiveness and you need healing and you need kind words. And I believe the church must minister health and healing and cure to those who have failed in this respect. And we want to do that, but we must try to prevent more abortions 
from taking place. We must try to keep the babies alive. We must speak out for the rights of the unborn. Yes, a woman has a right to choose. She has a right to choose not to have illicit sex. She has a right to choose for the life of that unborn baby, to, to give it a chance to live. I do believe in a woman's choice. It should be the right choice and not the wrong choice. The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah in our nation are, are equated with what was there when God destroyed those cities with fire and brimstone. I don't know what America has coming down the pike in the way of the judgment of God in addition to AIDS that the, that the perverted society has brought upon us. But my friends, I'm telling you, God is not going to turn his head away. He is not going to ignore the sin that has been flaunted in the face of God. Adultery and fornication is glamorized by Hollywood and by politicians, while family rights and moral rights have been ridiculed and demoralized. Prayer for revival and a spiritual awakening is what is needed today. We should not expect revival to come from the Supreme Court. We should not expect revival to come from the White House. Many people are almost in tears because they didn't win the election, and they think God lost the election. God wasn't even running, neighbor. God, God will bring revival to this land irregardless of who sits on the Supreme Court, irregardless of what part is in the White House. God brings revival through the church. And when the church will realize that we need to fast and pray, we need to get on our knees, we need to repent, and we need to seek the face of God, revival will come. The 14th verse of Joel chapter 1 says, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. It is that time. It is that time now. And we've called this community to prayer and fasting for a period of 40 days. It will continue through February the 8th. I remind you, we have this special time of prayer every Monday night at 7 o'clock through February the 8th. We have this special time of prayer every Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. And for men on Monday morning in the Family Life Center from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., we're crying out to God. These men have been meeting for six straight years. For six years we've prayed on every holiday that came on a Monday morning. We were there praying. We have not failed regardless of the weather conditions. We are believing God that he is going to send a spiritual renewal to this community. We need to pray for supernatural deliverance like the lad that was delivered from demonic bondage. I believe that we'll see the captive set free. The alcoholic will be set free. The drug addict will be set free. The immoral depraved person of a perverted nature will be set free. And they can walk with God and they can attend church and pray and sing in the choir and be a church member because God has changed their lifestyle. It is not going to happen just through counseling, just through psychiatry. It is not going to happen just because we want it to, but it will happen when we fast and pray and turn back to this book for a spiritual revival. Well, neighbor, join us. Let's believe God in 1993. Good day and God bless you.